Today I'm going to talk to you about good and bad valuations. What is the gospel worth to you? I'm doing that because the scripture that we're looking at in the book of Acts is Acts 19 and part of 20. And um, the way that people responded to the gospel in Ephesus had a lot to do with that idea of how much they valued the gospel. They represent a wide range of valuations that the citizens of Ephesus assigned to the gospel of Jesus Christ as it was presented by Paul. Now this term valuation has become sort of better known now that the Dragon's Den is on TV. If you watch the Dragon's Den, <coughs> you'll know that entrepreneurs uh, come before a panel of some of the wealthiest investors in Canada, and uh, they ask for investments. The entrepreneurs begin with the process of presenting an opportunity for the dragons, they call them, with a pitch. And this is where this idea of valuation comes. Because the entrepreneurs ask for each of the dragons to invest an amount of money which they say represents a percentage of the value of their company. For instance, now I'm not good at math, so hopefully this is right. <laughs> help me up there, uh, Adam and Lisa, if I need help. An entrepreneur who makes widgets might come before the dragons and say, I'm uh, asking for a $250,000 investment for 25% of my company. So that would mean that it's a million dollar valuation. They're saying that their company is worth a million dollars. If they get $250,000, um, you get a quarter. The, the uh, dragons would get a quarter of its value. And it's interesting because much of the show centers around the valuation, if you watch the show, of their companies. And, you know, more often than not, the dragons will say, your valuation is way up. There's no way you got a million dollar company. You've only sold this much, right? And that's uh, how the show kind of goes. And if the valuation is good based on, you know, sales and uh, uh, a good product or whatever, um, the investors will invest in it. But if it's a bad valuation, basically they just mock the person <laughs> and, and belittle them and tell them, you know, go take a bite, that sort of thing. So valuation is defined as an estimation of something's worth. And when I read Paul and his experience in Ephesus, the word valuation comes to me. Because the people who were presented with the gospel seek to place a different value on the gospel. So we're going to take a look at that today, but we need to be very clear that Jesus in his teaching was unequivocal, unequivocal about the value of the gospel. Do you remember in Matthew 19, or 13 I should say, the little wee little parables of the hidden treasure in the pearl? The 
The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Interesting, isn't it? That once they have found the kingdom of God, once they have found the kingdom of heaven, once they've responded or heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything else pales in comparison. Everything else is worthless compared to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sadly, in a real-life situation, not a parable, Jesus was approached by a very wealthy young man. And he placed a very different valuation on the gospel. We read in Matthew 19, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones he inquires? Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Young man, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, for that young man, the gospel was not as valuable as his money, his wealth, his holdings. He valued it as lesser than what he owned, and he left. Jesus also was so clear. He, he said that the gospel is actually a matter of life and death. What you do with the message of the gospel determines life or death. He says, "Wherever whoever finds their life, now that's a kind of a weird way to present it, but whoever finds their life, think of it this way, this is what he's meaning. Whoever invests in their life, whoever wants to find purpose and meaning within their own life, within themselves. Jesus said, you'll lose life. But then he said, whoever loses their life for my sake, in other words, whoever forsakes their life and puts the gospel as their highest priority, that person will find life. It's a matter of life and death. So let's just take a look at some of these responses from the Ephesians as to how they responded to the gospel and the valuations that they put on it. Acts 19 talks about the fact that when Paul was in Ephesus, and you don't hear about this a lot with Paul's ministry, but miraculous things happened. People were healed, and, and people's, uh, people's uh, who were demon-possessed were, were freed from their demons. As a matter of fact, people would take their napkins and hankies and just have Paul touch them, and then they would go and give it to somebody who was 
was hurting and they would be healed. There was a supernatural work of God in Paul's ministry in Ephesus. So this is one of the responses. One of the valuations we find in Acts 19, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits trying to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Does anybody know what happened? <laughs> they got a whooping. They got a licking. The, de the, demon, the demon and the man said, I know Paul, I know Jesus, who are you? And then he whooped them, <coughs> beat them black and blue. See, those people, when they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, they thought to themselves, oh, this is a means to an end. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply a means. It's not the end. It'll help me reach another priority. And for them, it might have been, they might have been genuinely sincere about helping people who dealt, were dealing with demon possession, but they didn't accept the gospel for its value. They accepted it as a means to an end. Here's another group. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, which is almost like a life's wages. These guys decided that the gospel was worth more than their means of making a living. Another valuation. The gospel is more important than how I make a life. Huge. And then there was these other guys, a guy called Demetrius. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. The, the way is the, I love that actually. The way is what they used to call the Christian movement, the way. Um, so about that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together, along with workers in related trades, and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in, here in Ephesus, and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There's danger, not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. They saw the gospel as a threat to their livelihood. Instead of, like the others, saying, what I'm doing is of no value. These guys said, oh man, this is how I make a living. I make statues of, uh, uh, of this, this great goddess. Therefore, I need, to, I need to get rid of these guys. And so they started this huge riot. A huge riot in Ephesus. 
And at that point, Paul ended up leaving Ephesus. What do we do with the gospel? How much do we value the gospel? Is the gospel a means to an end for us? Is it a crutch? Is it a means of providing sort of like, I'm in this so that I will feel good about myself? When we come to it from the perspective of me and my desires, we're coming from the entirely wrong direction. Our valuation is wrong because the gospel trumps all of our desires. So Paul left, and, and we see that in Acts 20, he travels around the Middle East a little bit. He's moving around Macedonia and Greece. And then he gets to this place called Miletus, and he says, um, he sends for, I don't know how they did it back in the day, but he didn't text them, but he sends for them, and he says, uh, I want the Ephesian elders, the, those who believed the message of the gospel and who determined that it was of greater value than everything else. I want them to come and see me because I want to say some last words to them. And I'm just going to read those words, Acts 20, 17 to 38. So here he is in a different place. The Ephesian elders have come to him and he's having a farewell talk with them. Luke's writing, when we went, we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He'd made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. And when uh, he met us at Asos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we set sail from there across uh, and arrived off Chios. And the day after that we crossed over to Samos and then on to this place called Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, when I was with you in Ephesus, I didn't candy coat the gospel. I gave you the gospel as it is, the truth, even knowing that it was probably going to cause problems, which we find out it did, cause a lot of problems in Ephesus. And now compelled, Paul continues, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider, now please hear this, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I consider my life worth nothing to me. 
My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news or the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have good, uh, sorry, now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. What he's saying there is, you're not going to suffer judgment because I didn't do my job. I presented the truth to you. You need to know what you're going to do with the truth. You need to set evaluation. How valuable is the gospel? What is its worth to you? Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Listen to this. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day in tears. Now I commit to you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then Paul, when he had finished speaking, knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Do you see Paul's valuation of the gospel? And now compelled the spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel, the good news of God's grace. He was an exemplary example of a proper valuation of the gospel. I consider my life worth nothing compared to the gospel. Let me introduce you to this guy, John Pedley. Didn't know about him until I did some research. He's the uh, founder and CEO of um, a not-for-profit that operates in Uganda. It's a humanitarian NGO in Uganda. It's called J J1010. And uh, John is a, is a current example of someone who, when presented with the gospel, gave up everything for it considered his life worthless compared to the gospel. John will tell you actually very graphically and bluntly that he was um, self-centered. He indulged every one of his desires. He lived for himself. He became financially very successful. 
Well, one day he came to Christ at an Alpha retreat. And at that point, he sold his entire wealth to run this nonprofit organization called John 1010, which takes orphans and gives them schooling, and which is also now taking kids that are hard knock cases from England and brings them to the orphanages in Uganda to help them get their lives together. See, guys like John and the Apostle Paul, you got to love those converted sorcerers who gave up all of their tools of the trade. You know, it's like, it's like a bricklayer burning all of the tools that he or she uses for the gospel. See, these folks challenge us to question our valuation of the gospel. Is Christ more to me than anything in my life? Or is he simply a means to an end? He sort of is an accessory for me. Kind of adds to the quality of my life. Are there things in my life that I value more than the gospel? Or is it the most important thing to me? And everything from it falls into perspective and takes its place in my valuation of things in life. The question really is, what is the gospel worth to you? The examples that we've read about in Ephesians, the examples of John, John Headley and, and, and Paul and, and those sorcerers and others that we know challenge us to get our priorities right and to make sure that our valuation is the valuation that Christ put on it, that there's nothing more important, that it is our life. That is what we're called to. So we are all the dragons. Jesus Christ has come center stage and he's presented the gospel. He said, I want you to give up everything and follow me. Well, dragons, do we forsake all that we are worth? For the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is the gospel more important to us than anything in life? Do we get off of our comfortable chairs and fall at the feet of Jesus Christ and say, you are worthy of my life, my all. There's nothing more important. That's what is required of us. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for our time. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being our Savior. Lord, help us to evaluate how we have received the gospel. And if we need to get things in order, help us to do that too. You are worthy of our very lives. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. God bless.